Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Today's episode is sponsored by Fire Bee Honey. If you are looking for something unique and absolutely delicious, then look no further because I am about to tell you about my latest obsession. Fire Bee Honey is honey with a kick and the perfect ratio of sweet and heat. This honey is handcrafted in small batches to transform the flavor of raw honey without compromising its amazing health benefits. They use the perfect blend of flavors so even non-spicy lovers can enjoy. We use honey a ton in our house, but wanted to spice things up with a little more flavor. And let me tell you, this stuff is a game changer for sure. My son and I are big chicken nugget people and honey is our go-to dipping sauce. But recently, we switched up our traditional honey for fire bee honey. And let me tell you, I may never go back. And if a kick isn't your thing, fire bee has flavors like cinnamon, vanilla, elderberry, and chocolate that would be perfect for baking. And other items like spicy honey beef jerky and spicy honey barbecue sauce. So if you are ready to spice up your meals and enjoy some flavor while still reaping the benefits of raw honey, then Fire Bee is the place for you. Get 15% off your purchase when you order two or more bottles by using the link www.firebeehoney.com slash morning cup of murder. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. In order for a cult to succeed, it needs its followers to commit 100%. On April 10th, 1989, a cult leader began the last steps of a plan that, because his followers were so committed, they obliged despite the deadly consequences. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Jeffrey Don Lundgren was born on May 3rd, 1950 in Independence, Missouri, to parents devout in the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if you believe Jeffrey and past neighbor testimonies, parents who abused him horribly throughout his entire childhood. As Jeffrey grew up, he was known as a constant loner, but a good enough student to move to Central Missouri State University, where he lived in a specialty house built for RLDS youth. There he met and became friends with Alice Keller, who had also been abused as a child, became his partner, and in 1970, married before Jeffrey enlisted in the United States Navy where he would go on to serve during the Vietnam War. While serving, Alice had the couple's first child, a son, and while pregnant a second time in 1974, Jeffrey argued for early release from active duty, saying his presence was paramount in raising his growing family. He was denied but was honorably discharged just before his four-year enlistment was complete, and his second son was born shortly thereafter. After his time in the military was complete, Jeffrey began working a series of hospital maintenance jobs, and in 1979, he and Alice welcomed a third child, a daughter. After Alice birthed their third child, she began a series of hospital visits indicative of spousal abuse. Frustrated by the family's money problems, Jeffrey seemed to take out his anger on his wife. 
Despite this, they had another child in 1980. In 1984, Jeffrey moved his family from Missouri to Kirkland, Ohio, where he was set to serve as a senior guide at the Kirkland Temple. The job didn't pay any salary, but did offer family lodging. At first, everyone seemed to love Jeffrey's devout tours and attracted quite a bit of attention in the RLDS church. He knew the scripture exceptionally well and followed the chiastic method of scripture interpretation, which involves searching the text for reoccurring patterns and interpretation that he falsely claimed he created. He began to teach the concept that in everything created by God, the right side is a mirror image, meaning that scripture should be interpreted the same way. So to do this, you take a sentence from the scripture and if the sentence before and after are consistent, then the sentence is dubbed truthful. If the sentence before and after conflict, then the sentence is a lie. Even saying he chose Ohio because the word itself is chiastic. His beliefs and interpretations started to attract quite a few followers. But according to experts, he failed to understand the historical context and instead concentrated on his method. For three years, he served as a temple guide, picking up followers who found his method truthful along the way, as well as soliciting contributions from visitors and pocketing it instead of turning it over to the church. And when the church noticed a dramatic drop in funds, they removed Jeffrey Lundgren as a religion teacher and in October of 1987, fired him as a temple guide and evicted the entire family from the living quarters, forcing them to find a new residence at a farmhouse on Chardon Road, where not only was his family living, but all of his followers as well. Living there along with his wife and four kids was Kevin Curry, Richard Brand, Greg Winship, Sarah Blunchley, Daniel Kraft, and Debbie Oliveris, while Ronald and Susan Luff and Dennis and Cheryl Avery, who moved from Missouri with their three children to follow Jeffrey, maintained their own residence. It was at this point that Jeffrey's beliefs and followers started to go from innocent to veering towards cult mentality. Everyone living in the Lundgren home called Jeffrey dad and would contribute any and all of the money they earned to a common group fund, while Jeffrey employed different methods of mind control, like claiming that speaking amongst themselves was a sin and eavesdropping on their conversations, after which claiming he knew what he did because he was a mind reader. He began telling his followers that, together, they needed to recapture the Kirkland Temple for themselves, after which an earthquake would elevate it and return it to establish Zion. And of course, he heard all of this from God himself, who bestowed him with visions. Soon, to aid in this recapture, the men in the group started to take paramilitary training. On April 23rd, 1988, called the Kirtland police and told them that she believed there was a cult living at the farmhouse, stating that Jeffrey's son had warned her children that the earth was going to open up and demons were going to emerge on May 15th. And a few days later, a former member called in to report a conspiracy to take over the Kirtland Temple. Police did not believe the informant's information, but in May of 1988, did confront Jeffrey about his potential cult, feeling that this was enough to defuse the situation. Shortly after, he told his followers that the temple takeover, which was scheduled for his birthday on May 3rd, had been canceled after he spoke with a higher power. Jeffrey and his followers were now under surveillance, and after a second call to police came in from a past member in September of 1988, the FBI initiated a full-blown domestic terrorism investigation, and in October of 1988, Jeffrey was officially excommunicated from the RLDS church. 
On the same day of his excommunication, a thunderstorm happened in Kirtland, and a rainbow appeared after it. Jeffrey told his followers that this signified the opening of the Seven Seals. Now, while all of this was happening, the group had started to alienate some of their followers, the Averys. Considered fringe members of the group, Dennis and Cheryl were left out of a handful of of Jeffrey's prayer meetings after Jeffrey began to notice that Dennis wasn't as fully committed as his other followers were and, unlike the others, had kept some of his life savings for his family's need. Jeffrey's dominating personality and charming demeanor had everyone believing that he was God's last prophet. So when he told them that the Averys were sinful and needed to be taken care of, they did exactly what their prophet asked of them. On April 10th, 1989, Jeffrey ordered two of his followers to dig a pit in their barn that could house five bodies and told the other members to prepare themselves to go on a wilderness trip. They left their jobs, bought provisions with the very little money they had left, gathered all their worldly possessions and prepared to follow Jeffrey's every last command. He told Cheryl Avery to write a letter to her family explaining that they had moved to Wyoming and the prophet invited the entire family to their farm for a very important dinner. On April 17th, 49-year-old Dennis, 46-year-old Cheryl, 15-year-old Trina, 13-year-old Rebecca, and 7-year-old Karen arrived at the farm ready to listen to their leader's next commands. When the meal was over, Jeffrey and his son went out to the barn along with four other followers, while the Averys stayed inside with the women and children of the cult. Then, one by one, Ron Luff led each of the Avery family members out into the barn where they were bound and gagged by the other men, placed into the pit, and shot two to three times with a 45 caliber weapon, all while leaving a chainsaw running so neighbors could not hear the gunshots. When they were done, they filled the pit and walked inside for a prayer meeting as if nothing had happened. Coincidentally, police showed up at the farm the next day to have a little talk with Jeffrey, having no idea that they had just slaughtered an entire family the evening before. While police didn't know anything about the murder, the visit was enough to cause Jeffrey to panic and his paranoia to start to grow. Soon, he, his family, and the rest of the cult fled south to West Virginia and later abandoned the cult altogether and moved to California without them. Because of the note he had Cheryl write, no one really suspected anything nefarious had happened to the Averys, at least not at first. It would take eight months and a phone call from an angry cult member whose wife was named as Jeffrey's new bride for the case to finally break. On January 3rd, 1990, the bodies of the Averys were found at the cult's long-abandoned farm. And when they were, Jeffrey Lundgren became a fugitive. The manhunt for the prophet and his followers began, and in early 1990, 13 members of the cult, including Alice Lundgren, were found and arrested. With their help, he and the rest of his family were found and brought into custody. Jeffrey Lundgren, who told the jury of his ability to speak to God, was given the death penalty while Alice received five life sentences, their son Damon received 120 years, Ronald Luff got 170 years to life, and Daniel Kraft got 50 years. After exhausting all of his appeals and failing to delay his, his execution through a joint lawsuit with five other inmates, on October 24, 2006, Jeffrey Lundgren was executed at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on April 12th. Don't forget to write and subscribe and let me know how you like it. 
If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.